Hey, I'm Christina Rea, and welcome to Breaking Out of Breaking In, a practical filmmaking podcast about taking your creative career into your own hands and making great work get seen without playing the Hollywood game. Or at least while changing the rules. Hey, I'm Brie Castellini, your other co-host, and today we are breaking down our co-written feature screenplay, Breaking In. Before we dive in, though, remember that we release bonus content for each and every episode over on patreon.com slash breakingoutpod. So if you want to support us and get yourself even more info and resources, definitely check that out. Uh, so we've kind of been talking about this script a lot, I guess. Uh, we've mentioned mm -hmm. it a couple of times. I feel like we maybe have cut out one or two references, but we wrote a movie together. We did. We did. But before we do dive into this conversation, I just want to say that it is November 3rd when we're recording this, and I don't know what the status of things will be by the time this episode comes out, but for the last three weeks, our government has been funding and supporting a genocide, and it is like an incredible privilege to be able to sit in our houses and record our silly podcast and feel safe doing that and having a home should be a human right and feeling safe in your home should be a, a human right and I am disgusted with our representatives and I'm disgusted uh, with people in our industry who have used, been using their platforms to call for more violence uh, and in the name of, you know, vengeance or just hate, and it's not okay, and I'm not okay, and I'm not okay with it, and I don't know, it would just be, it would be so strange to have this conversation without acknowledging the reality of the world right now, and what's happening to Palestinians in Gaza from our tax dollars. And so as per usual, when there's timely things, we will definitely include some stuff in the uh, in the podcast description. Uh, there's a great app I, I know a lot of people are using called Five Calls yeah. that we'll link to um, that helps out with like scripts, finding the numbers you need um, and kind of like helping uh, align you with uh, whatever goals that you particularly have, uh, as well as, um, you know, conversations about the conflict and helping educate you so that you don't spread disinformation and that you fully understand the situation as it's actually happening rather than the version of it that a lot of people seem to be spreading. Yeah, including our media. <laughs> and our um, uh, beloved question mark celebrities, like okay. everyone's favorite person, Amy Schumer. Yeah. My who God. We all knew had good opinions before, <laughs> and it's such a surprise. Right. I mean, you know, genocide is nothing new. Violence is nothing new. Using trauma and fear to to manipulate people into supporting stealing resources and killing people for profit is nothing new to our nation, unfortunately. But I guess I never really expected it to be so incredibly apparent that, that it would be televised in front of our faces minute by minute from so many sources and that our media and our, our representatives would flat out lie and gaslight everybody to the degree that they are doing. And so, yeah, it's just, it's fucked up. And I don't, I don't really know how we're supposed to be like, act like it's normal and act like, like how we're supposed to just go on with our lives, but that's capitalism. And yeah, we're, and campaign all... for the campaign on behalf of the representatives that are like, perpetuating this because yeah. 
they're not yeah. perpetuating all of the genocides. So it's like, well, that's good, right? Because oh we God. have a two-party system and it's a fundamentally broken one. Yeah. And like the lesser of two evils has never felt more like two evils than mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. And I just, so I just want to say like voting is important. It's how we prevent, it's how we can say we tried to stop fascism, right? It's like we did the thing, but it can't be all that we're doing. We have to have conversations. We have to talk pe- talk to people because that's how you create collective power. And and right now we don't we're not in a position to to do much but yell at our representatives but the only way we get to beyond that is by having tough conversations so i really encourage you to look for information beyond the history books that that we were taught with here because they are obviously biased the oppressors tell the stories right um and right. we are oppressors in in the united states so like yeah i'm not to make this whole episode that but i just like I don't know. I, I want this conversation to be fun, but it's so hard to fucking have fun right now. And I just needed to put that out there. No, it's important. It's important, to, especially ne- this year, since we're doing this this podcast a lot more like in the moment. Like previously, I feel like we batch recorded so much that it was kind of tough to have uh, like timely conversations. Mm-hmm. And since this year, we're, we're kind of we're usually recording the month that we're releasing. It feels more important than ever to try to localize these conversations in time and so it's important hopefully by the time you hear this things are shifting for the better question mark but like yeah hopefully we're not watching a child be murdered on our phones every literally 10 fucking minutes yeah okay (laughs) so inappropriate segue insert here yes all right. So, let's talk about our we, have we, yeah, have we explained the premise? I feel like we must have at one point. I feel like we've danced around it because we've been. I don't know. I guess we haven't wanted to like give away the big hook for whatever reason. Well, I think also we always <laughs> intended to maybe do an episode like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the very least, for our end of year wrap up, which is next month, um, but. Yeah, like maybe we were holding it back to have like a longer conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the premise is uh, two female filmmakers um, accuse and privately accuse and then privately investigate a white male peer of theirs for murdering his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story is not a murder mystery. It's a character study of the frustration that marginalized people experience in Hollywood specifically and the like what it we we were trying to figure out like what is a funny but also like worst case scenario like giving into all your worst impulses thing Mm -hmm. that could happen for two women who are frustrated with their filmmaking careers bearing no resemblance at all to any person's real or fake certainly not us (laughs) yes um yeah, it's a comedy. That's like important yeah. to mention. I think we're we're channeling our frustrations into absurdity and mm-hmm. and that's been, you know, cathartic but also uh just really fun to build out this story and see it resonate with our peers who have read it. 
and that it does yeah. feel like it does still feel kind of unique and original because there is this murder mystery element to it even though that's not the point and we are very sure. like meta about it not being the point even though the characters are telling themselves that's the point uh yeah <laughs> yeah so uh so this idea came it from an incident ish like two years ago it was what the end of 2020 when you first like yes it was December 2020 where yeah like a lot of things were that was a I don't know if any if we have longtime listeners who are really paying attention to the timeline of our lives (laughs) (laughs) I was in the middle of the house hunting process and we at that point it had been like seven months or so and we had been getting outbid nonstop, and so I was really frustrated. And then also things had paused with my career, like the film that I had been trying to get off the ground. Nothing was really happening. Like I, that December, interestingly, I did end up having a call that was like the big domino that led to actually getting into development. But prior to that, it felt like nothing was happening. And I had also quit my job a few months earlier, so I was sort of like aimless because I I was sort of like, how do I define myself and who am I now? And and yeah, and so the, I was just like feeling very stagnant and stuck in a variety of ways. And so of course I was like scrolling me social media a ton, and I saw someone tweet something weird, and that made me do like a weird deep dive rabbit hole into there their life through social media right this like very limited curated version of their life and brought my my sort of like deductions to brie and there really were no deductions to be made it was just like this is weird right and brie was like it is weird and and then kind of from that conversation we what we found funny about it was that i spent my time and it was really like a weekend but i spent my time doing this and we kind of got to like what the root cause of that was. And it was me like wanting to channel energy into something and specifically like energy that I could, energy that was a sort of an accomplishment. Like I could solve a thing, like I created a mystery. Right. And if I could solve that mystery, then I would have succeeded at something where I was just like not being able to succeed literally anywhere else at that moment in time. And, and yeah, so we thought that was funny. And then we kind of like pitched a very, like taking that root theme and then turned it into this idea and pitched it and thought it was funny if it were like the two of us in this world that we made up. Uh, right, because you have to understand, I escalated a up. lot. Yes. yes <laughs> I was really like egging Christina on. Because I think for me, like... I was certainly in a similar place where I was like frustrated and and everything like 2020 for me was a year that like I was trying to work on new things because it had been a while since I had produced anything of my own. Buy-in was the last film that I wrote and directed and that was shot in 2018 and even though we crowdfunded for it in 2020 but like so I for me I think it was the like the fun of you and I like spinning each other up and like coming up with all these conspiracy theories and like you know for you maybe it was more accomplishment for me it was just like 
God, it feels nice to like be excited about something again. Yeah. You know, yeah. to not be thinking about this solely in context of like, will this conversation further my career? It was just mm-hmm. like, isn't this a fun exercise? And it yeah. had been a long time since I've had that experience. And so I think like the combined sort of frustrations and like both of us needing something to fucking do. Totally. <laughs> became- because I was also like having a drought of ideas at that point in time as well because like I wasn't my life was just like trying to buy a house trying to get my film off the ground trying to and like failing and not actually like living and experiencing and also we were fucking in 2020 like you know yeah. at that <laughs> it point, cannot be understated how much 2020 itself affected yeah. us yeah so so anyway we had that whole conversation and then we basically like left it alone for an entire year well you were then actually buying a house and decorating a house and I was having the busiest work year of my life and I think I worked more hours than I have ever have in my adult life so like Mm -hmm. and then Christina was like right but what if we did write this yeah and that then we just like did this outline and that's where really the the like meat of the story came in because the frustrations with the way that the industry is not a meritocracy, the way that racism and sexism and all the isms play a role in the industry, um, and just like the performance that people put on for for breaking in, for being accepted, for being possibly like, you know, worshipped by the industry, the ways that you have to like put yourself in a branded box in order to be accepted by the industry. All of those things to be came viable into play. professionally. Yeah, to be, yeah, all of those things came into play there. So like none of that is rooted in the real thing that sparked this. We just like brought right. all of our stuff to it and put it on this this male character who may or may not have killed his wife. <laughs> like right. uh, and. And yeah, and then we wrote, we like did an outline pretty quickly and wrote it. I how how long did it like really fast, right? Yeah, I think I think we outlined between like October and December of 2021 because mm-hmm. um, we had a like, complete outline. And obviously, with it, like it's it's a mystery, but it's not a like that. It's a mystery. There is a mystery involved, but it's not a mystery mm-hmm. story. But regardless, like clues were important and like we we needed to align on enough things that mm-hmm. like the story made sense when we ultimately wrote it. So like it was a very involved like brainstorming and um, outlining process. And then yeah. we started writing in early January, I want to say, maybe mid-January. Mm-hmm. And we finished it by mid-February. So like it was, it was, a, it was like a month, month and a half of writing, um, preceded by like two or three months of outlining and like lots of meetings and like lots of questions in the Google Doc and debating things like, did he actually kill his wife? How did he kill his wife? Like, yeah. in this theory, you know, what what are things that they could discover that like are ambiguous enough to go either way, but like you know make them think that they're right like what ridiculous things can these two women do what lengths will they go to that we are comfortable with within the context of the story we're telling uh to like figure out if this guy really killed his wife and then something that i think has changed a lot is what is the ending mm-hmm. because like you know i think the expectation and this is like, maybe skipping ahead a little bit but the expectation of a lot of our readers has been like 
that they will conclude the mystery, that they will yeah. solve the mystery and justice will be served or not, uh, mm-hmm. which is not what we did. <laughs> and yeah. we, I feel like we played with it for a little while, but that mm-hmm. was like the least interesting possibility for us in terms yeah. of like concluding the story. Well, there was a period of time though that we thought that the character that kind of represents me like mm-hmm. my, I don't want to say my character because we're not the same person at no, all. No, we're not. But like, but they're like the they're me sort and of, the dynamic. <laughs> right. They're like inspired by us. They're sort of sure. our worst characteristics or like us that are exactly. worst turned <laughs> like, into What is the worst characters? version of us doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, so my worst version, my my worst angel, uh, my, av- my, my dark avatar, uh, <laughs> There was a period of time where I feel like we were, I don't know if you remember this way, but I remember us seriously considering having my avatar like side with the yeah. potential wife murderer. Yeah. Yeah. And like well, the, the the like, um, you know, the, the sacrifices that you make to your ethics in order to succeed. Mm-hmm. And like, that was an interesting It was version. interesting. Yeah. But I, and we, we like, dabble in it a little with the character still but I think for us there's something valid to that story and there is definitely a conversation to be had about how the industry tokenizes people and then like pits them against each other right and so women in general are a big part of that but then also if you're like this specific ethnic identity there can only be one of you in the room and blah 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 and like we could have chosen to tell that story but ultimately we were much more interested in just like making a buddy comedy and having a healthy female friendship where they support each other which includes possibly like gassing each other up when they're being irresponsible um sure because like that's our relationship right like we are comrades we're not in competition and so that was just much more authentic for us to write and much more fun for us to have on like hopefully have on screen and for us to see because you don't see that very much you know um yeah like outside with what either in the industry or not like buddy comedies are so often men yeah and i also think that like while i don't know if i would consider our movie to have a like unequivocally happy ending Mm -hmm. i think that it made both of us uncomfortable to go that dark because like that so much of this movie is like our opinions of our own like career and our place in it. And Mm -hmm. I don't think either of us wanted to commit to a, like an ending so dark that it made us feel hopeless. Or at least that was my experience. Like it, it wasn't an Ingrid goes West, like totally, you know, that like, that's a comp (laughs) to some extent, but not really. And that was definitely not the vibe I wanted to go for. Ultimately. Me neither. I think ultimately we wanted to reflect where we are and to be like, we're still, we are still hoping for sustainable careers of some sort that involve make, telling the stories we want to tell and making films or TV, you know, we're, that's what we're still hoping for and working towards. We've just like reevaluated priorities and what we're willing to sacrifice to get there. Um, And so we wanted to have a script that reflects characters who haven't done that yet and are doing that. And to have an ending that, to have a film that ultimately like validates for other people the ways in which gaslighting is so much part of this industry, like pretending that it's something that it's not and that it's 
that it's functioning as a system for people to actually break into instead of just like be born into or pay their way into, you know? We wanted to validate all that, all of that, but we also wanted to acknowledge that like things are changing and that there is, there is a way to keep hope. going. Yeah, there's hope. There's hope. Yeah. It's like it doesn't have to just be completely like what's the point? You know, that's not satisfying if you have right. two characters that are just as talented and qualified as our white male antagonist and they just decide to quit at the end because the system is so fucked that it's not even worth it. Like, I don't feel that it's not worth it where I'm right. at and I don't think you do either. And so that's what no. our script reflects. But it's also not an accident that, like, this script the and, like, the ultimate sort of themes that came out of it and, like, character journeys happened after, like, you had moved away from mm-hmm. your film community and you had, you had yeah. committed to, like, not needing to physically be somewhere. And I was moving away from, like, constant production in yeah. service of, like, spending more time on, like, passion projects and, and things that maybe took a little longer. Like, you know, it, both of us had to... Same certainly after 2020 had to have a reckoning with like what do our lives look like outside of our pursuit of a career and right are we happy with what that looks like yeah I mean you know actually over the weekend just this past weekend I went to a festival and um I carpooled with Micah Khan friend of the pod and he was he runs um an org that he's thinking of leaving soon like handing off to someone else because he feels like he's ready to focus on specifically his career, even though he really does help, love helping others, you know, advance theirs and, and build community and all of that. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, after, with 2020, with like indie works being forced to stop, which was something I did every month, like watching films, programming, supporting other filmmakers, all for free. Um, and then had my like, full-time job which was you know not great it was a yeah it was a bad place it was yeah it was a bad place to work but did a lot of good I was able to say like it's worth it for what I go through because I get to support my peers support especially my marginalized peers I get to do good for the community through it um and then also yeah making like I would make at least one film a year if not like a feature in a short or two shorts, possibly even three shorts, you know? And and then suddenly nothing. And I had to fully like reevaluate who the fuck am I? And how, like, wh- what is my value? Which is like such a shitty, like capitalist way of thinking. Like everyone's valuable. Everyone has value just for being, you know, like, just for existing because like fuck all of all of that that you have to produce in order to have value but still i was like going through this process and and moving and finding new ways to find value and to enjoy who i am regardless of like how people perceive me how what the expectations are knowing that like my i i don't exist to just like be of service to other people and like a beacon and to be productive. of productive yeah like and your like personality should not be productive right and so and like I do there's you know I do still think about ways that I can support the community like I was on a panel this weekend and I loved getting to 
talked to, especially students, especially students who were primarily students of color and they were queer and intersectional in a variety of ways and like be on a panel where one person is like spewing bullshit about how like you can just find investors and get money and anyone can do it because they did it and then I can be like no like that's not true (laughs) and and let me tell you the truth like I loved that but the point is like I realized I needed to really think about who I am and what I want and not just what is expected because of the path that I've chosen and like how you're just supposed to grind and grind and grind because that, as if that's like what gets you there in and of itself. And, and yeah, and so it does, like for me personally, I got so eager to suddenly tell a story when I had like gone through that transformation. Mm. And I'm still going through it, but like when I had kind of gotten on the other side of all of that internal work and answering of questions and everything, then I was like, okay, I wanna bring it to the page in some way. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a, definitely a very cathartic process of like, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to go so far as to say that like writing was therapy for me, because like, <laughs> I similarly to you had been kind of having my own version of that, like, even I think as early as like 2019, I kept putting on my New Year's resolutions, like, start cultivating non monetizable hobbies, <laughs> because like, same. Um, but like, it certainly was a really great way of like, helping me articulate how I felt, uh, uh, you know, all the complicated ways that I felt about this industry and also mm-hmm. get to experience writing, co-writing my first project. Cause like I've done yeah. some co-writing in the past, but I've never gotten to like fully collaborate to this degree. And it was really fucking fun. And like having yes. someone else to just like pass to when we were writing to have someone else to like go through feedback. Cause like, I definitely have a tendency mm-hmm. to like, when I read through feedback, be like, I assume kind of that I have to agree with all of it and it'll take Mm -hmm. me a little bit before I'm like, hmm, maybe that wasn't a good note. And it was nice having you there to be like, so this is a stupid note. We're going to skip, (laughs) you know, or like just like have someone else to kind of like excavate where it's coming from. Yeah. Instead of just me being like, oh, I'm sorry, I wrote bad. I'll I'll fix it now. (laughs) Like it was nice to have someone else be there. And I, I feel like we were well matched in the editing phase of like we both gleaned mostly the same things but then things that like one of us was like confused by or frustrated by the other one would pick up and like I, it just mm-hmm. it felt like a very like genuinely collaborative thing at every mm-hmm. stage of this process like I never felt like there was a moment where it was like you know this is Christina's section and this is Bree's section like it yeah, just felt yeah. like ours which was really yeah. lovely and something I didn't really expect so considering I kind of come from the tv world where it's like you know each episode is like one kind of person's vision even if there's someone Mm. kind of overseeing it but like this was like actual collaboration and I really fucking liked it yeah I I loved it too and and it brought like for me it brought so many of the things I love about production and collaborating Mm -hmm. and like having having an intention and then someone else bringing their creativity to like amplifying that you know that came to the writing process which in the past has been such a like solitary art form you know so so yeah I I really loved it uh so speaking of revisions I don't know how much like detail we want to go into into like the craft of it I did want to I 
and like this is absolutely no shade to the people who gave this note because they probably are listening but one of my funniest notes from our like one of our original drafts or like some of the early ones is that we got the note multiple times uh from male readers specifically that my character came across (laughs) very arrogant and unlikable which i think is so funny because it's actually not the first time i've gotten a note like that about a character who like is sort of a me character because Mm -hmm. i have kind of an abrasive (laughs) phrasing of things that you know if you're just reading them might not be clear um but props to shannon spangler who played that character in our table read because then afterwards somebody one of the people that gave the note was explicitly like oh no i get it now shannon shannon (laughs) convinced me this character isn't unlikable anymore and i do think that that was like that's something that we're still kind of struggling with is the like it's hard to portray a lot of i think the tone that you and i really feel like specific about in just the screenplay. Like, I feel like we've done a really fucking good job. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, performance brings so much. And, like, right. the actual, like, Ooh. visual gags versus reading the visual gags would bring so much. Right. And, well, I think also because we have dialogue that is very, like, sarcastic a lot of the time, and it's coming from characters who are obviously burnt out and frustrated, then the like jokiness of it doesn't always translate and it feels possibly like that line is just like this bitter person being an asshole Mm -hmm. versus like this burnt out person making a joke about like the circumstances but still you know in it and trying to be like a good sport with people you know like that yeah i think that's the thing that's hard without the performances because we both so clearly understand the cadence in particular because like we both have comps in mind for the writing style and the characters and how the lines would be delivered and I think also because they are versions of ourselves we know like the way that we would say something yeah exactly (laughs) and so it is uh that has been an interesting challenge with this script in particular because yeah it is it is so layered like you know, one person, someone's saying something, but there's so much under it. And even if they're like having this ranty downer line, there's so many like jokes within it. And so having the ability to make it kind of like sing-songy will make it very funny instead of just like a downer, you know? Um, Right. But so much of that is in the directing and performance that there's just there's only so much you can do on a screenplay level. And, And I would say similarly, like in the same vein, like we've gotten a decent amount of notes because this is a comedy that like you know, and not to say that we shouldn't be punching it up. We're, we're definitely going to continue punching it up. But like there is a particular like the opening sequence is a like preview. Like the cold open is a preview to a longer scene later in the script. And it's very like kind of over the top. And mm-hmm. it's the only one that's specifically like that. But the way that we have built this script there is a lot of things that are like silly and like over dramatic and like shocking but none of them are as explicit I think mm-hmm. on the page in a way that's hard because like there are so many moments in the action where like I think both of us have a very clear idea of like what that would look like ultimately on screen that I don't think is translating right now for other people so they're right. like that's the only big funny set piece of the script and I'm like that's categorically untrue there are so many little asides that I feel like in context would make a lot it would would be very very clear and that's also something that we're challenged with because we're also trying to cut pages (laughs) so there's only so much description we can go into 
Exactly. And it's like us being directors, we already get told that we like direct too much in the writing. And so there's so yep. many visual gags that we would love to ex- include, but it's like, yeah, we're just going to get more of that feedback, you know? And mm-hmm. so... And then they'll be like, your script's too long. And we're like, we know. Right, <laughs> we're right. sorry. Right, because the original was 123 pages, right? And now it's... Yeah, where is it, is it right now? 111? One, 112? I think that's right. I think, nope, I think it's 111 or even possibly 110. I think the last one might have gotten it down there. Um... But we yes. have worked so hard, y'all. Like, ulti- we've probably cut like 25 pages over time of this script. Because yeah. every time we rewrite, we try to, like, we add stuff and then have to cut more. So, like, yeah. we have truly cut so much. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, because so, like, the first draft was a lot of us just, like, putting it on the page, ranting, and, like, mm. what is all the context we want to get across. And then sure. as we've had more people read it, we've been able to get clarity on. How much of this context do you need before you're all in with these characters? And that, yeah, and that has like been been really helpful in being able to cut back the opening like first conversation these characters have, and then really get to the meat of them deciding this guy probably killed his wife and wanting to investigate. Right. Uh, because also there's yeah, like, like the. Go ahead. There you go. <laughs> I was just going to say that a big a big early concern of ours was the inside baseballness of it all of like right. how yeah. much do we need to explain to make it specific and clarify like basically justify why these women feel the way that they do mm-hmm. but without putting so much sauce on it that like people from outside the industry would get confused and frustrated because there's a lot of context right. that needs to happen in the very beginning and it was definitely hard for us to balance like what is absolutely necessary to convey the character details that we need mm-hmm. without overburdening people's brains too fast because absolutely because like you it was it's important that these characters don't just come off as like entitled it it needs to be clear that they are just as valuable as this other character who is getting advances in his career that they're not um Mm -hmm. and also the specificity and not just him but like other people too yeah of course like he's he's our they have a specific villain but he is not the only one exactly he's like he's like both a specific villain like he himself is awful but he's also a stand-in for a lot of the systemic issues in in the industry Mm -hmm. so he's representative of the larger issue that's right um but i was going to say the specificity for these two characters is really important because that's something i so often don't see especially as someone who's south asian in the industry like i really wanted to reflect not just what it's like to be a woman or to be any minority but to specifically be south asian in the industry um and like yeah for and the fact that they are women it's not just like the industry is unfair or the industry has bias or that you know nepo babies have a way in but it's like how even within that context certain people who are not born into the industry still have a leg up in a variety of ways particularly with class you know like that's so often doesn't get talked about you know we wanted to really talk about that and so yeah like the specificity was important so anyway that was that was a big thing that we had to like do the most of in our revisions was like trying to find that balance and getting feedback from people who aren't quite as in the industry as us or even not at all like in the case of our husbands um to 
to be able to say like, okay, this is enough and not too much. And we can mm-hmm. get to it faster. Yeah. We, we also realized, especially after like early feedback and even up to the table read that we did a couple of months ago, we realized that like, while in our minds it was clear that the mystery wasn't the point, it was the excuse, that wasn't clear to a lot of the readers. And so we Mm -hmm. were like, all right, how can we shift this so that it's clear that this is a, like, they're they're using it as a mechanism, as, like, (laughs) you know, a a way, a coping mechanism, rather than this is a murder mystery comedy. Because it's Mm -hmm. not that. It's a comedy with murder mystery vibes. (laughs) Right, with, like, a sort of bait and switch with like a murder mystery package but that's not Mm -hmm. really like what's inside you know I mean it is a little bit but not fully and I think we got there by leaning into the meta a lot more I think we also spent more time developing the like the 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 sort of c plot themes for both characters because that was something that was like because it was so it was just like a sprinkling like it's a c plot Mm -hmm. right in a in a buddy comedy and so that means there's two c plots going on like there was already not a lot that we could dedicate to those but i think Mm -hmm. clarifying for both characters like what the like solution to not all of the problems but to like the sort of day-to-day problems was clarifying what that arc looked like helped a lot with clarifying that like the murder like the place of the murder mystery in their lives at the moment that they are living them i don't know if that yeah. made sense but like our characters are asha and joe i don't know if we've actually called them by name <laughs> yet <laughs> in this episode whoops i'm joe christina's asha but like asha's role for a while was like her sort of complicated feelings about being a teacher is her day job and like yeah that being and in like, conflict with her husband like i yeah all, the point i was trying to make is that once we clarified the C plots um, and like found that they aligned more than they previously had, I feel like it clarified a lot of the like motivations behind them pursuing the mystery that Mm -hmm. at least as as far as our our most recent rounds of notes and feedback have been, I feel like we've done a better job of like moving away from it being a murder mystery comedy and made it more of a comedy with murder mystery behind it. And I think the C plot was key to that. Absolutely, because we realized, like, yeah, part of the story we're telling is a friendship story and how Mm -hmm. solidarity and camaraderie and having people in your life, yeah, community, is is part of how you get through, you know, is Mm -hmm. is part of what makes life in general bearable, but also pursuing a career that is so hard to actually pursue, um... And when once we unified that across both characters, but in different ways, that like made sense for where they each were, both you mm-hmm. know physically and emotionally, and sort of in terms of their relationships and whatever. Like once we got that, yeah, it all it's all started to come together. And I do think in our last draft, based on the last feedback we got, that really came through. That that's like really what this story is about, and it's not about mm-hmm. solving it because also. Mm-hmm to solve it and I think that was like what I said before leaning into the meta of it that helped as well because I think the same way that people wanted to solve the the murder it's that same like dissatisfaction the characters feel with their careers like it's not that easy to just like have the career you you have done everything right 
and right. still not get quote unquote justice or like whatever yes. justice, you know, takes exactly. The form of. And so it's having that parallel because like that's that's how these things usually go as well. Like how right. often do people actually get justice with violent crimes, particularly when like privilege is at play? So, mm-hmm. so yeah. But I also want to say like across the board, feedback has been so positive for the premise, for mm-hmm. the characters. Extremely the, validating. Yes, extremely validating the like the humor. People have really complimented the dialogue in general, the punchiness. Um, and just like how fun it is, I think the negative stuff really has been like the first 20 pages being too long, (laughs) like cut down those first 20 pages because they're talking too much before they actually get into this investigation. The shenanigans. Yes, the shenanigans. So, so yeah, I like that has been really, really wonderful, you know? Um, and and we now have friends texting us when like they meet a character from our script in the sense of like oh this person was such a you know insert character here or like I just had a moment like Asha did with her manager like that's Mm -hmm. been depressing because most of the scenarios in our our script are are pretty brutal um but like at least we know it's timely and Mm -hmm. that our experiences are relatable Um, I'm definitely curious, you know, once we get like millions of dollars and are able to make this, because of course we will, um, I'm really curious what the experience will be from people outside of the film industry who just like, like movies. I'm, I'm definitely, cause like, it's hard to get those sorts of, that sort of feedback on a script level because not everyone is familiar with like reading a script. Like even my husband, who's a writer himself, uh, he's a prose guy. And so he definitely struggles kind of taking in a script in its formatting and like, really understanding what to do with it so Mm -hmm. um like once it is an actual movie i will be very curious about like outside of filmmakers um circles how it is received because it's definitely inside baseball even as we've expanded outwards but i also do think it's a genuinely like universal story Mm -hmm. yeah because like the industry our industry is reflective of other workplaces which are reflective of our society at large like all of these sort of ills that exist are are um just you know reflections of of the larger issues with mm-hmm. with privilege and bias and yeah and patriarchy like, and white supremacy and, and capitalism and yeah <laughs> it's a list of all the worst things in the world here yeah um, so yeah, that's 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 definitely something that I I'm looking forward to as a bud. Okay, so we finished rewrites of this script, like a like a second or third round of rewrites after sending it to some beloved friends who will definitely be getting special thanks credit in the the ultimate credit hmm. sequence um, around the time that the writers strike began, which mm-hmm. was tough because like. If, if I assume the people who listen to this podcast remember this, but most screenplay competitions in one way or another support pipelines going towards like the studio system that were being striked against, that were being mm-hmm. struck. So uh, pretty much, at least in my circle, I don't know if that was the, the true end of it, but like pretty much people weren't submitting to most reputable screenplay competitions. And like a lot of the fellowship cycles were on pause 
uh, because a lot of those fellowships are, you know, supported by or funded by strut companies. So we were kind of in a weird place because we were like, we know that this script needs a little bit more development. We know we want to like keep the momentum going. Like we, Mm -hmm. this has been the year of breaking in. So we were like, all right, we can't submit for competitions to get momentum that way. So while we're waiting on that, what would be the next like logical step if we wanted to keep doing stuff with the script, keep getting feedback, but not just like keep writing and then sending it to people and waiting several weeks. And we eventually landed on a table read because I firmly am and and I, I am still in the camp that like, even if you aren't ultimately planning to produce a project, getting it read out loud by like actual actors is mm-hmm. so, so, so important to your writing process for screenplays specifically, because so much of it is in like hearing it out loud, is watching people, yeah. it's like watching people's reactions, not just trusting that they have like written them in the margins and that kind of stuff. So we were like, all right, mm-hmm. let's schedule a table read. Yeah. So um, uh, <laughs> and we did that. <laughs> we we sure did. And it was it was a little bit of a like we there were certainly things that went wrong. Um, for one, lost our uh, actress that we'd cast for Asha like two or three yeah. days before the reading, which is just yeah, that, it was that's two tough. days before. Yeah. So I mean, like to just be real, I guess that that was the biggest hurdle for me, because I think some actors are really great at cold reads, but some scripts just aren't great for cold reads because as we said everything about our script there are so many like layers under the lines and knowing where this line is coming from if it's coming from like a place of bitterness or if it's coming from a place of just like being sarcastic or whatever is so important to the delivery and even like you know i had spoken with the original actor who was supposed to play Asha a couple weeks before and she had like read the script a few times and we had talked about cadence and like motivation and whatever and so it was just disappointing to not even get to hear her uh, performance of it but because she got COVID um and we made a decision you know with only like 36 hours we couldn't reschedule everyone we anticipated COVID being a thing again possibly like you know if we tried to reschedule and and, it, and we this- wouldn't have been able to reschedule for another like probably two months because like even finding this one day <laughs> to yeah, get everyone together so virtually not even in person I like I had tre- I, it has been a long time since I've had to schedule a production holy shit <laughs> I mm-hmm. forgot what a nightmare that this is yeah and especially when you don't have money to be like right. I'll pay you to show and up. like we and a lot of the people in the room or at least some of the people in the room are were WGA writers who were like taking the time they didn't have time to read the script ahead of time, but just could be there in this window. And we didn't know like if they would have another window. So whatever. So we decided to move ahead. And like I asked someone last minute to fill in and they're a great actor, but not not to say that they weren't good with a cold read because it was a hard script to do a cold read with. But I don't think that we accomplished our intention, which was to hear if the lines were working out loud. Yeah. And like if and you're the not dynamic, hearing, which is yeah. su- such the heart of this, yeah, script. because it's like the characters playing ping pong with each other, like verbal ping pong, and so to to have one person like on their next line and the other person like trying to figure out what their line means as they're saying it is not yeah. like is not was not productive or helpful, and so it made like to be honest, it just made this the table read really painful for me to sit through. Um, 
because I was like, oh, we're not accomplishing what we set out to do. And the people who are in this room who didn't read the script ahead of time are like having to also figure out what this line means as it's being said instead of like having the context. Mm-hmm. And and so I, don't, I just feel like we kind of wasted people's time except that we did get good like high high level notes out of it and for the people that had read the script ahead of time we got good specific notes um i mean prior to this we struggled to cut two pages after the table read we managed to not easily but much more easily cut a full 10 which like i thought was impossible (laughs) so like also to say like this was a version of the script that had some very long somewhat like ranty monologues from these characters and so it's not all Mm -hmm. on this actor it is very much on us as writers but like those which is why we needed the table read but i think we can probably both agree that we wish we'd waited yes but what i do think is what came out of the reading is we got we it like put brought it off of our shoulders and our very narrow windows of like Mm -hmm. what is relevant and what is necessary to put on the page versus like what can just be the inner workings of these characters and like the frustration that's driving them under the surface and that like that is really what we got out of the reading but yes my I it's hard for me to say that I I regret because I'm the kind of person who's like whatever happened was meant to happen because it got me here and if I change that whole you know the whole butterfly effect nonsense so like I I don't want to say that I regret it, but... But you've learned a lot about... Yes, I learned a lot. (laughs) And, you know, it is what it is. It happened. And I, like, you know, so much of this podcast is, is meant to be, like, you know, looking at the not failures, but challenges just as much as we look at the successes. Like, Mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons we started this podcast is because we were so frustrated by other podcasts and like panelists and, you know, people who speak about working in this industry focus so much on like what they've done well with no Mm -hmm. acknowledgement of like what it took them to get there, be it their innate privilege that they're hiding or just be it like a string of failures that they've kind of shoved under the carpet so that they could pretend that they just emerged from the womb a successful filmmaker and like I think it's important to talk through like where our heads were at and you know what things that both of us wish we had done differently about it but ultimately it happened and we have done what we can to make it worth it for our script yes also you know to shout out my manager Stephanie who is not like the manager that I wrote into this script (laughs) (laughs) yeah very Uh, clearly different manager Yeah, the manager we put in the script is very much inspired by our mutual ex-boss and just general (laughs) things in the industry, issues, whatever. Um, But she was kind of, she was there and she was like, we were all artists in that room and we understand that this is part of the process and that like that's part of why you asked us to be part of this because you're trying to workshop and figure out what's not working before you bring it to a wider audience and so like Mm -hmm. what you set out to do was accomplished because that's like we all get it we're in that room as peers and you know and so that was like a helpful thing to hear (laughs) because I was kind of like sorry I wasted your time like that was my you know going into a conversation with her but uh 
But yeah, I also guess I want to say some things about like outside of this particular experience, some things to like be aware of if you do a Zoom reading uh, that I guess I didn't really think about until I was in that room, in that, you know, Zoom room and Mm -hmm. making observations beyond like the reading issues. Um, So a big thing that we wanted to do was watch people's reactions Because we were like, okay, if they laugh, like, we can notice that, see their Mm -hmm. faces, and make note of, like, if that line got a laugh or whatever. But so many of the attendees who weren't also readers turned off their cameras, which, like, is understandable in 2023 where people are just zoomed out, you know? And, like, Mm -hmm. had this been early 2020 days it would have been a different story or even like pre everyone being on zoom. But that's something I didn't anticipate was like, Oh shit. That's a huge difference of like physically being in the room, feeling the energy, Mm -hmm. hearing the laughter, seeing people's reactions. Like it's harder to replicate in zoom. If you know, and it's like, you you don't, people are already doing you a favor by sitting here for free, listening, giving feedback. You don't want to be like, keep your cameras on, you know? Mm. (laughs) So that was something. And then also just like delays, network delays, you know, yeah. for, for some people there for would a be like. With, which was so pacing, like yes. specific. Yeah, so pacing specific. So so that was something that, you know, is not. Yeah, I don't know how you get around that. <laughs> yeah. Like some people had better internet than others because it's like, it doesn't, it's not in your control. So. So yeah, you know, that also contributed to some of the like pacing issues that were the broader pacing issues that were more related to what we already talked about. So yeah, I don't really know, but I guess just like heads up if you do a Zoom in the future, be aware of those two things. Maybe if you really do want to watch reactions, like when you tell people, when you invite them, mention that that is something that like they would agree to if they're going to agree to mm-hmm. come and like obviously they don't have to agree but mm-hmm. yeah well, at and the then very also- l- least use the like zoom emojis to like fill in like if, if you yeah. really can't be mm-hmm. on camera yeah. or something you know like give them and- like these are like your standard emotions like try to react as often as possible right and also people did start using the chat but like the once someone started doing that, then others started doing that. But we neither of us like asked people to do that, to like comment that. Yeah. in the chat if they mm-hmm. had any like reactions they wanted to share. And it was mm-hmm. fun then because once once someone started doing it and highlighting the things like the certain specific lines, like oh my god, I love that, whatever. Like that was that made it fun because I wasn't you know we weren't getting that at all mm-hmm. by just looking at their like photos well and i couldn't look at people at all because i was reading uh, <laughs> right, stage right, directions right. yeah so like and that was so like I, the whole thing was like that was sort of my job during the reading was to make note <laughs> of that stuff because i wasn't reading so yeah 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 you, you um, learn i do want to give you specifically a shout out for what i think was like the best part of the like <laughs> structure of us putting together this reading which was you had the great idea of making custom zoom backgrounds um because like uh, certainly at the time of the table read we had a lot of characters we've reduced our cast quite a bit per yes. a lot of table read suggestions but um to like keep actors straight and also differentiate between the actors 
the writers, which were us, obviously, and the audience. And so we made a bunch of custom, um, like, Hollywood-themed Zoom backgrounds with, like, the character name um, or the multiple character names, as the case may be, for the people who read for, like, multiple one-line characters. Uh, And then we also made little, like, theater seat backgrounds for the, the, like, attendees. Mm -hmm. And not everyone used them. I think all the readers used them. Uh, Not all the attendees did. But, like, everyone seemed, like, oh, that was so fun and cute. Like, thanks for doing that. Like, that that made this feel like a thing. You know, it felt like sending out a call sheet instead of just an email, where it's yeah. like, it's just a little bit more effort, but it makes people feel professional. It makes them feel seen and, like, valued. And it was a great idea. And, like, they're... Thank you. Yeah, I thought, it, you know, it would be fun because it makes you feel like you're actually part of something, right? Like a performance. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and also just for the viewers to differentiate, like... Yeah. who's playing like reminder who's playing who and yeah that is a that is also a huge thing that came out of the table read is that we realized we had too many characters and that <laughs> we can we can make composite characters like that, that was a very mm-hmm. clear thing that that uh, came through so which also ultimately helped specifically joe's uh sea story because she had yes co-workers who were distinct from her roommates who were distinct from a customer at the bar <laughs> like yes. there were so many people that were just like brand new characters all of a sudden it was like we don't what are we doing we, they can be all her roommates like we can and we yeah exactly it work and it works a lot better and it makes that so yeah, much that, better <laughs> the like through the themes come through more uh yeah and and the other thing i guess that like made it not my favorite is that in the past when I've done readings in person, I have dinner for people. Like I get pizzas or I like cook something if it's a smaller group and not being able to sort of like thank people and show them that I appreciate their time, especially when the reading did not go as smoothly as I anticipated. That was really hard to just be like, okay, that's it. Like everyone log off. Thanks. You know, and, and, uh, and there's that. So I don't know. Like, I don't Someday know if I will have ever the money do to a... fly everyone to your new beautiful house. Yes. And we'll all get together. And some people will stay in the cabin and we'll read in person and we'll, it'll be amazing. Yes. But yeah. I, that, that, cause I, the couple of times I've done readings as well, we've gotten either like lunch beforehand or like afterwards and like, you know, and, and there's also, I think like, this is, this is similar to like virtual festivals versus, versus in-person festivals, mm-hmm. which is that I always miss the like milling around sort of small talk of the like post event yeah. so mm-hmm. much, you know, it's like, it's great that the thing can still get to people like the main event, be it the screening or the panel or whatever, but like, there is something so distinctly unsatisfying about just logging off and then being alone, <laughs> you know, yeah, and not totally. getting to like chat with people afterwards and like for the shyer people to like come up privately and be like, that was so great. I didn't want to say anything in the event, but like, you know, congrats or mm-hmm. like, you know, people talking to each other and then being like, oh, hey, we just had this thought as we were talking. Like there, the loss of physical community is something that I don't think I anticipated to hit me as hard as it did post pandemic not post pandemic mm-hmm. but like post the experience of that like i i didn't anticipate that being such a big deal for me but it it really fucking is yeah but it is what it is so yeah so we did the table read we did a 
a round of edits between the two of us. We sent it out to a handful of people, a couple new, a couple repeat reads, and did one final new draft based on that. And then thankfully that lined up with the WGA strike ending. Of course, per our current recording schedule, SAG is still on strike, support SAG actors. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. they resolve that soon. Um, but it, in terms of like our conflict of interest of submitting a, con- a contest and stuff, that has been lifted. So yeah. we officially submitted to, what was it, four fellowships and contests with the right. the newest version of the scripts. And that's kind of like we've, the next phase, yeah? We've, yeah, we focused on fellowships or anything that, like labs, things that involve workshopping it and have people to meet or like name a reputable name to use because I think we're both a little bit beyond just like submitting to contests and competitions just Mm -hmm. to like have the laurels or to say we placed like we want this to be more actionable and yeah because I think we do really we would really love to direct it co-direct it at some point Mm -hmm. so our focus is to get into rooms that could help advance it towards production ultimately yeah yeah and so that certainly limits the list of places that we can submit uh and Mm -hmm. also you know it's it's near the end of the year so a lot of uh a lot of those things are not open also we've had a really hard time navigating the like co-writing of it all like the Mm -hmm. one that we submitted to allows co-writing but only one of us will get to actually like attend stuff which i find a very strange rule um yeah also if anyone's listening who knows about the sundance like feature lab stuff they will not answer our emails because their <laughs> their faq is not very explicit about what like what the rules are because like a lot of yeah, these contests will co-writers. say like you have to be the sole writer of the script but like sometimes that doesn't mean that there can't be co-writers it just means that like you can't take someone else's script like without their permission kind of a thing. Like yeah, the, the, the yeah. problem is it's, it's not clear. And so that mm-hmm. was that was one that we were considering. It's not open right now, so it's not like an immediate concern, but like that is definitely something that both of us have had to navigate of like, are co-writers cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the rules? So we'll, we'll see our first um, results will start coming in in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple, yeah. there's like one in April and I think one in May. Um, so we won't hear back for a while. We got our first, we got we screenplay feedback back from the diverse voices lab that we submitted to, which was interesting. I mean, it was mostly actually I think positive, like the percentages and categories and stuff we got. It was definitely I feel from a white man, or at the very least yes. a man, the feedback that was very and clear. like this person did get did get and appreciate the meta aspects mm-hmm. of the industry and like yeah. commenting on the industry but there were definitely some like weird bits in there that very much seemed to come from the perspective of someone we're a little bit mocking or like critiquing right. with our script yeah. so so you know that I think that's one of the challenges with our script in general is that like the people who are likely to be the first time readers for these things and possibly even like the executives who mm-hmm. would be judges would maybe take offense like I think that 
we're poking fun at ourselves as well. You know, it's not just like it's kind of a. Yeah, we are certainly kind of, no heroes in this script. <laughs> right. And and hopefully like people can have a sense of humor about themselves. But we obviously know that's not the case, especially when it's like the most privileged of people don't always want to acknowledge that privilege plays a role in how mm-hmm. they've gotten where they've gotten and also plays a role maybe in how they make decisions of who gets what yeah. they can give out. So Yeah, we're definitely curious how the industry that we explicitly yeah. skewer in the script <laughs> will react when we're like, validation, please. Money yeah. and mentoring, please. Yeah. <laughs> but so, in know. the case, you know, mm-hmm. in the case that it goes well, and, you know, we'll take that as it happens. Um, we definitely, like the ideal would be to make the movie, right? And the only way that it makes sense to make the movie is to co-direct it because we're both directors and it would, like, what would the other one of us do (laughs) if only one of us was directing? But neither of us have co-directed before. And we have different experiences with co-writing, but, like, you know, neither of us were completely new to it. But co-directing would be an entirely different system. Like, have you given any thought to, like, Obviously, it's not like practical for us to be thinking right now, like, how would we co-direct this together in like explicit terms? Because it's so far, you know, like Christina has mm-hmm. to make her movie first. And um, obviously, there's a long, long road before this ever gets produced, although it will get produced. I'm putting that into the universe. Yeah. But like, how, like are, what are what are your even inklings of like what the options are for co-directing? Because I have never seen it done. Well, I think it's a so I was I read an article a really long time ago where the Coen brothers talked about their on-set process and they basically were like the thing that you have to be aware of is how mixed messages will just confuse people and so they had a system where they would discuss like you know they do a take or whatever they would discuss amongst themselves and one of them would be the person who communicates to the actors and one of them would be the person who communicates to the crew particularly the dp and like the direction may be coming from both of them but one of them is the delegated communicator and and that like they would obviously make a ton of decisions in pre-production and in post as well like you're in the room editing together whatever so so it's really just on set like being clear on who is the person that everyone should listen to on mm-hmm. any given you know note or moment whatever the thing i see so i think that totally makes sense the only thing that i then then think about is like two things one what if we disagree but i don't sure anticipate that like because we've been so on the no. same page with writing mm-hmm. um and then b is you just have to build in time for that because if like if as if I'm directing that and I have a note I like of. it's so easy to just be like okay here's my note instead of having to like clear my note with you and then go right. give it like so so yeah I mean that I think just... rehearsals would be important because like mm-hmm. both of us yeah. are actor directors right mm-hmm. like you you definitely have more experience with because you have the technical vocabulary um, with with the DPS but like I think both of us prioritize performance and acting and so i think rehearsals would probably be helpful for that to the extent that we could you know swing that even if it was just working with like the two main actresses and just like mm-hmm. having private just like like i mean talking rehearsals yes the mo- the movie is so much of e- of these two characters just like 
talking to each other, riling each other up, you know? Um, and so usually with my films, like I don't do rehearsals, but I will always do a reading and then have notes for the actors after and like talk to them each about their characters and whatever, and maybe together if they are a pair, you know, and in this case, that would be, that would be ideal. Um, and I do think, like I said, it's about like casting well. And so if you cast actors sure. who get it and then you have mm-hmm. a reading and you have these conversations, like I don't think that, because even just in general with my directing, I try to not have to give many notes on set. I I try to make sure that we're all going into the day like knowing what we're after. And then it is the mm-hmm. notes are just like, the notes are quick. They're quick things yeah. like, oh, you know, like, the pacing or whatever they're not like you're totally not getting where this line is coming from or like you're right. delivering but I, I was thinking more of like the timeliness on set of us having to confer kind yeah, of a thing yeah, yeah, yeah. of like For if sure. we if we kind of work out but like but I agree with you that I don't think that we will have that disparate of notes because mm-hmm. like even though we don't write at all in the same genres usually like I think both of us had a really clear understanding that was very much aligned about like the tone of this film and the like cadence and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I like, I don't even think we would need to, you know, in this hypothetical world, I don't even need think that there would be much conferring that needed to happen after like a cut. I think it would probably be a like, you know, whoever we had assigned that day or exclusively to like talk to, crew versus actors I think we could unless there was a big thing that one of us was like hey did you catch this or whatever like it would be like all right you have notes I have notes let's let's do it because I Mm -hmm. feel like I trust you intrinsically yeah yeah and because we've done so much character work and theme work and all that kind of stuff and we would have presumably done a lot of like camera and framing Mm -hmm. work prior to being on set like I feel like being on set would just sort of be like not easy, but like I feel like totally. I would trust you to whatever you were gonna say, even if you didn't immediately confer with me. I would I trust your that. implication. I agree with that, and I also feel like because everything you just said, right? Like we would be on the same page. We would also have communicated with the actors, like what the intentions and motivations and all that stuff mm-hmm. is, like ahead of time. So on set. I actually also probably wouldn't even mind if maybe we were like saying two different things because part of my part of my favorite thing with actors is like them giving me a read not me like telling them what I'm expecting ahead of time like I want to talk about this I want to talk about the subtext under the line but I don't want to tell you like how to deliver it I want to see what your intuition like leads you to do you know and so if we were both like if I was coming in there being like, oh, I think it needs to be faster. And you're like, I actually think you should maybe like have a pause and an emphasis or whatever. Like, I think there's something interesting about that because then it's like, OK, well, the actor knows what the intention is. So let's see what the actor goes with. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't scare me, I guess, is the point, I think. So, yeah. And I think most of the time we probably would have the same note anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Because, like, I think that both of us have a very clear idea in our heads that seems to be so far very aligned with, like, what yeah. the voices of the characters are, what the motivations of the characters are, and all that kind of stuff. And as long as we had, like, communicated that to everyone ahead of time, like, I am imagining it being pretty free-flying. And so it would just be mm-hmm. a matter of, like us if we did need to discuss something getting a shorthand because like the the one Mm -hmm. thing that I would worry about you know is that 
we are talkers and we talk and when we mm-hmm. get to talking to each other there's like a lot uh that we could just discuss sure. endlessly so like i mean on just set be- though like i'm not a talker so i will say that <laughs> Like, I'm a very, I, like, being extremely economical with my words because time is money. <laughs> but I do think that, like, both of us have such an intrinsic, like, trust and respect for the other artists we're working with that is mm-hmm. unfortunately more unique than it should be to other directors mm-hmm. that I've experienced, certainly. That, like, yeah. the fact that we trust each other and hopefully would trust our cast and crew yeah. goes a long way. And like, absolutely. Yeah, it's even even thinking back to like things that I've directed. It's rare that I have that many notes because after a table read and like a handful of conversations, usually like rehearsals while cameras setting up kind of stuff where it's like, let's run through the scene a couple of times. Like, it's only a matter of like, hey, you stepped on that person's line. So it's like technical notes that are just like Mm -hmm. things that you need to catch. Um, But like, yeah, I don't. Since my first couple times, I tend to not have that many huge big notes. Because if I have too many huge big notes, something else has gone wrong so much earlier in the process that, like, totally. it's too late by the time you're trying yeah. to fix it on set. 80% I mean, casting, for, like you said. Right, exactly. The only time that I've ever had, like, a lot of notes, and what they weren't notes so much as, like, let's play, was when I was doing Game Brunch, and Ricardo has this, like, monologue where he accuses a a person of being a werewolf and he does it in this like very like slow sinister way and you don't exactly know what he's getting at and that's like part of the humor of it that's the only time where I was like great this take how about we try it this way and that was because we had the time to play and it was me just wanting Mm -hmm. to see like how deranged he could play it and like how (laughs) so it was like constantly bringing it up like starting at a sort of normal level of making this strange accusation to like going full sort of camp with it and then and then having the options imposed to play with but that wasn't like that was a very specific situation you know so much of the time it is like a very coming from a very real place the lines and so it's like yeah you know this character like I trust you you know what you're doing we're on the same page with with the I can see us having those sorts of like moments with our with our villain character because he's mm-hmm. he's really the only monologuer at this point and like yes the especially his final one like I just I feel like if that actor is on board we could have a lot of fun with the variety there and kind mm-hmm. of like flexibility um yeah yeah actually I just thought of another a very similar thing in the gaze there's a crew like an actor who plays a crew member who's asking the main character if she needs um a ride home I think and I was like okay I want it three ways I want it like totally sincere no nefarious intentions and then I want another take where it's like not nefarious but you definitely have ulterior motives you are interested beyond just giving her being nice and giving her a ride home and then like third is your fucking creep (laughs) and and I think we ended up going with the middle one for the film, but uh, it was really fun to see him like change his delivery subtly each time to give me those different versions of this person. I love that. As far as like visuals go, for the one thing, I think we have pretty similar ideas again of like what we whatever. And I am also like 
I definitely still feel a little bit imposter syndrome about like my own like visual directing style. And that's not to say that like I would make you do all of it. Obviously, I want to be involved in all the decision making. But like if I, I have a feeling that if you had a strong visual idea, I would largely agree. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't I don't foresee that being in conflict because it's not like it's, you know, I'm, I, I would want the movie to have a style, certainly, but I don't think that it's it's not the big short. Right. Like it's not yeah. it's not a movie that like seems like it would have a specifically distinct visual style beyond m- making sure we're heightening the comedy and like being true to the pacing and that kind of stuff. Like I yeah. this is much more of a character story than a visual one. So I also don't think that sure. the visuals there would be that much to debate anyways. Yeah, I agree. Are you a storyboarder? Do you like having a storyboard in addition to like a shot list? I don't. I like having a shot list and I like, sometimes I'll do overheads depending on the set, but I'm not a storyboarder because for me, and this is something that I think like, you know, it it varies, but I definitely will line my script and have a general idea of, what kind of shot I want to capture each line or moment in. And obviously we'll have like coverage so that I give myself options and post. But a big part of my directing style is letting the actors find the blocking. And I feel like storyboards can sometimes lock you in too much to a blocking you anticipate. And then the actors are like forced into doing that behavior that isn't natural to them and they see it a different way. And so I like to have that flexibility and so I try not to be I think for me personally having a storyboard make would make me too rigid um Mm, interesting yeah yeah I I like storyboards because I lack the technical vocabulary a lot of the time and so like Mm. for me I honestly think my storyboards are more like visual shots shot listing versus Mm true prescriptive like this is the shot it's more me being like this is a shot where i want to be from below you know and it's not Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it has to be this many inches from the side of the frame or whatever and i certainly don't know what the fuck lens that we would use (laughs) but like for me it's helpful for me to see it and be like oh we've been in close-ups too long or that kind of thing like it's harder for me Mm -hmm. to do that in text because Mm -hmm. i just yeah i i I don't have a a natural enough cadence with like the vocabulary of the technical stuff. So I need some version of the visual. I'm also, unfortunately, um, and I know it's a bad habit, but I'm such a sucker for Steadicam and like gimbal shot. Like I love, Mm because for the same reason that you like to let actors find the blocking, I like to let it be a little bit more of a like fluid kind of dance between the actors and the camera person. So like we all generally have the understanding of where the frame ends, but like I like the the camera person to be able to be flexible in like following someone if they go a little bit further afield versus like having everything on sticks. But I understand that that can get very like tough on not Mm -hmm. only like making sure coverage matches and that kind of thing, but also like it's demanding on the body and you know you want to be cognizant of that so like while I definitely prefer I also just like the look of non-stick I do too I mean I think for like the frenetic energy of our script that would make sense exactly but I also am like conscious like my brother uh AD'd uh or no I think maybe he was still a PA at the time but he was he was PAing or maybe second ADing um in New Orleans a couple of years ago for a TV show that is out but I don't remember the name of it so I I won't blast them but he was telling me this story of how like the entire camera department quit 
um, in the middle of like shooting this TV series because it was so grueling physically um, because it was Mm -hmm. they were shooting. I'm not going to give the specific because it might out them, but like they were shooting a sport. They were shooting Mm -hmm. like physical things. And so, of course, I understand completely that like the person who sort of set the style guide for the the style of this TV show, like the original director was really big on like capturing it like physically. But uh, I think a combination of like scheduling and like exactitude of how many shots the guy wanted ultimately led to not only an injury by one of the camera operators, but then like a real lack of empathy (laughs) about the like, physical pressure that put on them um and so he was telling me this whole like horror story about this like production he was on and it definitely made me a little more gun shy than i might otherwise have been um Mm. about that kind of thing so that's also on my mind of like all right when do i really want it to be you know fluid and 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 naturalistic versus when can i accept that sticks are fine and so that'll just be Mm -hmm. something i guess we'd have to find while we laid everything out yeah for sure. But once again, it sounds like we're we're we have similar like styles and interests technically too. So, I don't know. I just yeah. think this is a match made in heaven and somebody should give us several <laughs> million dollars. <laughs> I don't know why I people agree. are holding off. I feel to. like we could do it with one. So, if you just want to throw us 1 million, I think we'll uh, oh, yeah. we'll make it work. 100%. <laughs> yeah, we could totally do it. Cuz like the thing is, you know, this is an impossible movie asterisk to produce on our own mm-hmm. in terms of like the money that we currently have. But if we had even a little bit more money than like we have ever worked with before, I feel pretty confident mm-hmm. in our ability to pull it together. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, like we both have mm-hmm. so much experience and so much goodwill. And we know so many great people that like, if we had the money to put behind our regular like DIY scrappiness, we'd be fucking mm-hmm. unstoppable. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the status of the movie is we've we've written like seven or eight drafts of it. We've finally gotten it under 113 pages. We have submitted it to a number of labs um, and I think one contest because it was free. Um, and so now we're kind of in a holding pattern uh, until we get start getting some like industry feedback. And hopefully we'll have some labs to attend next year. Um, but in the meantime, should we preview that we have maybe started to make bad decisions again vis-a-vis doing another feature script together? Yes, we started brainstorming another feature. So, and it is also a meta commentary on the industry or an aspect of the industry, but this time it's a slasher. <laughs> yeah. So this time, like last time we were leaning on like my mystery procedural chops, this time we will be leaning on Christina's hor- deep deep knowledge of horror tropes. Um <laughs> yes. and even though we have don't only done a little bit of, of sort of brainstorming so far because it's NaNoWriMo. So I'm, I'm doing NaNoWriMo again this year. Um, so like I'm a little bit creatively taxed out, but like the handful of things we've come up with so far, it sounds really fucking fun to write. It sounds really, really fun. So (laughs) I agree. Who knows? Maybe, maybe 2024 will, will add to our very specific co-writing brand. We'll see. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, next month, as per usual, we will do our year in review and we will check in with you then. Thanks. And uh, call your reps. Yes. Check out the links in the podcast description for further reading and further actions that you can take. Thanks so much to Kelsey Rauber for our theme music, Kaylee Brown for our podcast art, and to all of you for listening. Links to learn more about Kelsey and Kaylee, as always, in our episode description. And thank you to Brandy Nicole and Kelsey Rauber for being our booby VIPs, uh, our $10 support on Patreon. If you want your name on that list or you want to have access to all of our bonus resources related to each and every episode, you can subscribe for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon at patreon.com slash breakingoutpod. Thanks so much, everybody.